experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Back at the grind. That's where the markets are. Back at the grind. The Dow and the S&P, well, they continue to grind higher for the third week in a row while the NASDAQ was off slightly for the week. What is encouraging is that we are starting to see the market broaden out a bit. Turn on the boob tube last week, and I saw a lot of prognosticators talking about growth versus value and how this may be when value stages its comeback. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. And I'm not sure that's even a conversation I want to join in because I consider myself a diehard value investor, but my definition of value is different than what the indexes are composed of. But the takeaway here is that Lately, the market's been broadening out. In other words, the Apples, the Amazons, the Googles, they've taken a well-deserved breather. And things like the small caps have begun to move up. So the market leadership has been rotating away from the mega cap tech stocks towards more cyclical sectors like the industrials and materials, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago. I think this rotation is a big, big positive for the overall market. But we could still see a rise in volatility over the next couple of months. What I worry about is that we're seeing an elevated level of optimism. As a matter of fact, the CBOE, that's the Chicago Board Options Exchange, well, they're showing the lowest level of put options in decades. That means no one's looking for protection. In last week's survey from the National Association of Active Investment Managers, I know that's a mouthful, but their allocation to stocks is at 101% versus 10% at the March lows. Not to mention that the elections get closer every day. So I think we could see volatility. With that said, I do think there are opportunities to be had. And I'll talk about one in just a couple of minutes. The fact is markets go up, markets go down. And your guess is as good as mine in the short run. I look more at the fundamentals and I let that do the driving as opposed to making big picture macro calls. In other words, if I see a really good business selling for less than what I think it's worth, I'll probably buy it. I do pay attention, obviously, to the big picture, but I would say it only drives about or plays about a 10 or 20 percent role in the decision making process. If you're looking for someone to help you with your financial planning and investing needs, well, consider giving us a call. The number is 301-770-5234. We have a great team here. As a matter of fact, XML Financial Group was just named to the 2020 Financial Times 300 Top Registered Investment Advisor. So that's a great honor. And you can Google it. Just Google something like FT top 300 RIAs and you'll find the list and you'll also find how they come up with it because, you know, we don't pay for this stuff. Enough about us. Let's wrap the big picture up and move on. The market has bounced back to basically the level where it was back at the beginning of the year, kind of like nothing's happened between now and then. The bottom line is 
is people believe things are getting better every day. And we're seeing that. New COVID cases are declining as are hospitalizations and the rate of increasing deaths. And with that, you would think that this economy would slowly improve. Now, how fast and how far, that's hard to know, at least for me, because I don't really know what the end game is. At first, it was flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. And we did that. Then it was testing. And we did that. And then I'm told we need more testing and then even more testing. So for me, it's hard to tell when we get back to normal because our goals continually evolve and they're changing. Maybe it's we come up with a vaccine. Uh, Who knows? And that's not what I'm trying to figure out. I'm not trying to figure out what tomorrow looks like and what the numbers are going to be. But rather at this point, I'm looking down the road two or three years. And it's hard to tell what a good business is going to earn this quarter or next. But two or three years from now, that business will hopefully be back to its full earnings potential. And that's what I'm betting on. In the meantime, PEs and other metrics, well, they may not matter as much as they normally would. Okay, enough with the big picture stuff. Companies are going old school and I love it. I mentioned on the last show that Apple was splitting its stock at the end of the month. And last week, Tesla announced that they too were going to do a five for one stock split. If you're a a shareholder, what changes for you? That's the question, right? Well, nothing financially. A stock split doesn't change the value of your portfolio. You just have more shares at a lower price. So for Tesla, you're going to have five times as many shares as you had at a fifth of the cost. So doesn't change anything financially, then why do they do it? Well, Elon Musk and Tim Cook said they want to make their stock more accessible to folks who might have smaller amounts to invest. I think that's a great idea, too. Used to be a bigger deal when stocks traded in fractions and commissions took a bigger bite out of the returns. But of course, over the years, financial technology has evolved. And now we have mostly commission-free trading and the ability to deal in fractional uh, shares. Now, anybody can buy almost any amount of stock if they want. I think the effects are mostly psychological. It makes everyone feel good. It gets people excited about the stock. Oh, my stock is going to split. I want to own it. Well, and I think it's largely a good thing. The one thing I did point out on the last show is that what it does do is it does affect the indexes like the Dow and the S&P 500 because those are price-weighted indexes and the higher your share price is, the more weight you have. For example, Apple will go from being the most heavily weighted stock in the Dow down to about middle of the pack. Not a big deal overall. Like I said, I like it. And here's a fun fact that most people don't realize. Tesla, symbol TSLA, it isn't in the S&P 500. A lot of folks just assume that it is because it's a big name and you always hear it on TV, but it's not in the S&P 500. Now, Tesla did just report another quarter of profits, which makes it four in a row now. Congratulations, Tesla. And that makes it eligible for inclusion in the index. It's not automatic, but if I were a wagering man, 
I bet Tesla finds itself in the S&P 500 sooner rather than later. And that means index funds and ETFs, well, they got to buy Tesla stock. Might be a good time for them to do a capital raise. Hmm, let's see. Stock's at an all-time high, and I got all these people who are forced to buy it. If I was Tesla, that's what I'd be thinking. Let me give you an idea or two that you can take away, do some research on uh, if you choose to or, or what have you. And that's really what this show is about. I want to give you ideas that you can take away and that you can use. Now, you just don't want to go out and buy something because we talk about it here on the radio or for that matter, if you heard something on TV. No, no, no. You have to do your own research and make sure it's right for you and your portfolio. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about looking into the cyclicals, the industrials and material stocks. One of the ones I own is CAT, C-A-T, Caterpillar. I think Caterpillar, you can buy here under $140. I like it better around $130, but hey, I'm just cheap like that. Even at $140, you're getting close to a 3% dividend while you wait. Hopefully, you're not going to have to wait too long because I think Cat, I think their future is brighter than it's been in a long, long time. But let's get to the one that I wanted to talk about today. It's Merck, symbol MRK. It's trading about $84. And like Cat, it too is paying close to a 3% dividend. Don't sleep on the dividends, folks. Dividends can make up a substantial amount of a portfolio's return over time. Merck is one that I've owned for a long time. I'd even say it's close to a core holding, except that Johnson and Johnson, symbol J and J. Well, Johnson and Johnson holds that honor for the big pharmaceutical companies, and that's just because Johnson and Johnson is more diversified than Merck. Merck is one that I think that people have overlooked lately. Investors have been focusing in on coronavirus treatments and vaccines, and you don't hear much of that coming out of Merck, but they do have uh, their their corona treatment in the works too and it's actually pretty interesting the company trading around $84 well that means that it's trading at about 14 or 15 times this year's earnings estimates now that's not the cheapest it's ever been but it's pretty inexpensive especially when you consider that it's such a high quality business they have a solid balance sheet value line heck Value line gives them an A++, which is the highest rating you can get. And earnings predictability is 100. And that's on a scale of 1 to 100. You guessed it, 100 being the highest. I would argue that you want to pay more for a business that has a fortress balance sheet and predictable earnings as opposed to one that didn't have those characteristics. Common sense, right? I don't think Merck is going to grow gangbusters. I do think that they can grow at upper single-digit type rates. Then you add in a 3% dividend on top of that. Well, that's a pretty nice total return. Actually, I think Merck's earnings will grow more rapidly over the next five years than they have over the last five years because they're planning on spinning off some of the slower-growing parts of the business, more more specifically the women's health care unit and some off-patent drugs. They plan on doing that next year. And I think going forward, Merck's prospects look pretty decent. I think this one's worth a look. Okay, I've run out of time for today. I'll be back next week. 
And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This has been Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.